I'm Tavis Smiley. This is KBLA Talk 1580. So glad to have you with us in this hour. Our phone number, 1-800-920-1580, 1-800-920-1580. In this hour, the holidays, as you hear the soulful sounds of one Marvin Gaye, the holidays are a time of celebration for most of us, but it is also a time of grief for many others. Grief expert Marissa Renee Lee joins us in this hour for a conversation about how loss can gracefully coexist with life. We will talk about how grief is love and living with loss in this hour. So delighted to have Marissa Renee Lee with us for the hour. Marissa, how are you today? I'm doing okay. How are you doing? If I complained, I'd be an ingrate, and I am just delighted to be <laughs> in dialogue with you. Glad to be alive and um, and glad to be, uh, again, uh, on with you for the next uh, 60 minutes. As we talk about Grief is Love, Living with yeah. Loss, uh, your new text. Um, t- tell me how, tell me how one becomes a grief expert. We got time here, so let's, let's unpack that first and we'll jump in. <laughs> okay. Um, well, unfortunately one becomes a grief expert the hard way by encountering grief. And I would say, you know, I first encountered grief without knowing what it really was when I was 13. My mom, who had been, you know, very healthy, vibrant, active, engaged parent, you know, Sunday school teacher, PTA president, et cetera, one day she got sick and she never got better. And it would take a few years for doctors to figure out what was going on, but it turned out she had multiple sclerosis. And by the time they diagnosed the disease, it had already done permanent damage to her brain. And so as a kid, I went from having, you know, this very healthy, engaged parent to a parent who was still very much engaged in my life, but very sick you know, in and out of the hospital throughout my adolescence, sometimes confined to bed or to a wheelchair. And so that became, you know, just a really formative experience and part of my upbringing. Fast forward to when I was 22, I was graduating from college and my mom's health was once again, really problematic. She was in and out of the hospital a lot that spring doctors once again couldn't figure out what was going on. And then the week that I was set to graduate from Harvard, she was diagnosed with stage four breast cancer on top of the multiple sclerosis. And so at that point, you know, I I entered a state of anticipatory grief, you know, knowing that my mom was going to die soon, not knowing when it was going to happen. I ended up taking a year off after college to just help my mom and dad navigate a very complicated and challenging health situation. And a few years later, when we decided she would no longer undergo treatment for her cancer because it was just not working and taking too much of a toll on her quality of life, I started preparing for her to die. You know, I was 24 years old and I was doing all sorts of research on, you know, end of life care and grief and death and helping to plan her funeral and and just all of these things, trying to be my type A super organized self around all of it, because I believed that if I prepared to lose my mom, that was going to make her death easier to handle. Mm. And then it happened. Um, And as I'm sure you know, I was wrong and I was you know, I was completely leveled by the experience. I had just turned 25. She had just turned 49. And she died after a brief 
conversation that we had where, you know, we shared a joke and then she collapsed and I caught her and a few hours later she was gone. Um, and I didn't know, I didn't know what to do with all of that pain. And I gave myself a really hard time and was very judgmental for my response for months following her death. You know, I felt like I'd prepared, you know, I had a fair amount of closure with my relationship with her. Like, you know, I was kind of like, you should get over it and move on and just be okay. But I didn't realize that there is no getting over it. Mm -hmm. When you lose someone you love, you know, when we lose one of our people, someone who is foundational to who you are, whether it's a parent or a spouse or a best friend or heaven forbid a child, like you don't get over it. You instead have to learn how to live with it. And so about six months after she died, I decided I was going to learn how to live with it. And that's what I committed to doing. And I knew I wanted to write a book about my experiences, but it wasn't until 2019 that that process started and was spurred by a pregnancy loss. You know, my husband and I had been trying for years and we finally had our chance. And when it didn't work out, all I wanted was my mom who'd been dead for over a decade. And so I started writing about these experiences I was having with grief and loss. And all of that led to grief is love, which came out in April. Mm. And here you are on our program in December uh, in the holiday season. And we specifically wanted to have you on during this time of the year because there's so many people, as I said earlier, who are celebrating, most of us, in fact. But there are a great deal, um, a great deal number, a great number of us, rather, uh, who are trying to navigate grief. I, I, I always I was in conversation the other day with somebody uh, in advance of this conversation with Marissa uh, Renee Lee and talking about the fact that. Uh, they lost um, their loved one on Christmas Day. My mind went to Iyanla Van Zant. Oh Lord! Yeah, Iyanla Van Zant, who I know really well. Iyanla and I share the same birthday. Um, she's a little, little bit older, uh, but we have the same birthday <laughs> on September thirteenth. And I remember well some years ago when Iyanla called me, and you all know, of course, Iyanla Van Zant called me on Christmas Day. Her daughter died in her arms of cancer uh, on Christmas Day, and. I can't imagine what it's like trying to navigate holidays when you lose loved ones in the holiday season, much less on the holiday itself. Last week, literally um, a week ago today, uh, I eulogized a 92-year-old woman in Northern California, a dear friend, grandmother uh, of sorts, uh, and uh, eulogized her just a week ago today. And um, I, I'm thinking about the fact uh, that Marissa Renee Lee uses this phrase anticipatory grief. Even when you know it's coming, when you know it's coming, yeah. it doesn't make a bit of difference at all. The minute that it happens, it changes everything. So I want to unpack, give her a chance to unpack this notion of anticipatory grief when we come forward. Um, she's right about the fact you never close on the death of a loved one like you close on a house. And one of the things about her book, Grief is Love, Living with Loss, which you'll unpack here in just a second. Um, she tells you in her book to just nix these stages of grief. We often hear about these stages of grief. She says nix that. Grief is forever. But it is that title that got my attention. Grief is love. Grief is love. Living with loss. We're going to unpack that and a great deal more. With grief expert Marissa Renee Lee when we come forward on KBLA Talk 1580. Smiley, this is KBLA Talk 1580. 
Our phone number, 1-800-920-1580, 1-800-920-1580. We are talking this hour with grief expert Marissa Renee Lee. Her new book is called Grief is Love, Living with Loss. Grief is Love, Living with Loss. In the book, Marissa Renee Lee gives us five key insights about how to live with grief. And we're going to walk through all five of those in just a moment. I said a few moments ago that one of the pieces of advice she gives us is to nix the stages of grief. That grief is forever. And I couldn't agree more. We never close on the death of a loved one like we close on a house, as I said moments ago. But uh, this phrase that Marissa Renee Lee used a moment ago, anticipatory grief, uh, is something I want to give her a chance to unpack because... As I said a moment ago, I spoke at a funeral for a 92-year-old last week. And even when you know it's coming, and you have to be on the one hand grateful for the fact that this person in your life was blessed, allowed to live for 92 years. We were promised three score and 10, and they lived to 92, and yet we still find ourselves so saddened uh, when these persons take leave of us, even when we know it's coming. So talk to me, Marissa Renee Lee about what you've learned over the years as a grief expert about what you call anticipatory grief. Absolutely. So I think you said your birthday it was September 13th. That is correct. Um, that, is, uh, that is the day that we lost my grandfather this year. Mm. And he was 101. Like, I'm very lucky at almost 40 to even have had a grandparent who was living until a couple months ago. Mm. But we spent, we spent probably about like six weeks or so before he died, knowing that, you know, it could come on any day at any moment. And just kind of that feeling of anxiety and that, that heaviness that hangs over you when you know you're going to lose someone but it hasn't happened yet. Mm. It's a really difficult space for people to live in. And I think it's something that we don't talk about enough. You know, companies barely give you bereavement leave when you lose someone you love. Mm. No one is offering you, you know, a day off or trying to take some of your work off of your plate or something like that when you're in that waiting space. And so I think it's really important for us to talk about it and I'm glad you asked about it and just normalize that as another grief experience that is very hard you know like if, if someone listening right now is living through an anticipatory grief time you know with the holidays coming you want to be happy you want to be cheerful you want to be joyful but you also know that you're getting ready to lose someone you love like that's a really tricky place to exist in and so I hope you know, listeners will extend some grace to themselves mm. because it is a really hard time, even though the person isn't gone yet. Yeah. Um, I'm anxious to get to these five key insights. Speaking of grace, and you know why I say that, because it's on your list. And, uh, <laughs> and we'll unpack that in a second here. But let, let me again, I, I want to follow you through this hour, as I always do with all of our guests. I want to just listen and be generous and charitable in my listening and just kind of follow uh, hear your heart and follow your heart. And one of the things that I want to come back to, two things, in fact, death is never easy for any of us to process. Um, and so this grief process ain't easy to navigate for any of us. But it seems to yep. me that what you said earlier has to be the ultimate in grieving. And I don't want to compare losses, but I cannot imagine because this is not the way, this is not the order of things. Uh, 
when a parent loses a child. It's, oh, just, yeah. it's, it's just out of order. Uh, and you had a pregnancy loss that you were uh, transparent and, uh, and open about uh, uh, referencing a few moments ago. And I, I wonder if you might say a word about that before we get into these uh, key insights in the text. Um, how one navigates the loss of a child. I suspect there are others listening right now uh, who could give a dissert- write a dissertation, teach a seminar, a series on how one navigates that particular journey. But uh, since I'm talking to you in this hour, Marissa Renee Lee, uh, talk to me about uh, losing a baby. So, I, I mean, I honestly think losing a child has to be the hardest thing. And, and like you said, I don't like to get into comparing losses. It, it is all hard. It is all challenging and overwhelming in its own way. But as someone who is now a parent, Like, I I truly can't imagine anything worse than that. And for us, you know, I I try to be clear, like, it was a pregnancy and not a child. And I do think those are very different things. But in our case, the pregnancy loss was very challenging because it was rooted in the hope and the love that we had, you know, for ourselves, for each other, for this family that we were trying to create. You know, at the end of the day, I know that what we lost was, it was an early pregnancy. You know, it wasn't anything that could have survived on its own, certainly, but it it caused me to sort of redefine grief and think about grief more broadly than just being about death. Like grief fundamentally shows up whenever a future that you have counted on no longer comes to pass. Mm. So whether that is, you know, in our case, it was the loss of this pregnancy. Like we had very specific plans for ourselves as parents and, you know, when we wanted to have kids and how many kids we wanted to have and, you know, all these different things. And and it just, it fell apart very quickly Um, or a divorce or, you know, maybe a dramatic loss of a job. Mm -hmm. Like if you have a serious illness, like all of these things bring up feelings of grief. And the way I define grief in the book as, It is the repeated experience of learning to live in the midst of a significant loss. So whether, you know, your marriage ended or you lost a loved one or you lost your good health, like whatever it is, you don't forget about like the prior state of things or the things that you expected to happen or the way that you thought things were going to be. And so the way that you live with loss is by regularly making accommodations for that absence, whatever it is. So in my case, you know, with my mom, that looks like me finding ways to both live into the values that she raised me on, you know, kindness, generosity, respect, love, et cetera, and also finding ways to keep her alive for the people who never got to meet her, like my husband and my son. Mm -hmm. And so I think for all of us, you know, if we can, if we can kind of personalize our experiences with grief and determine what sorts of accommodations we need to be okay with the losses that we've experienced, I think that's how you live with it. Yeah. I'm glad you went there because I was going to put a finer point on this and I don't have to now because you already have. Um, (laughs) I started this conversation asking you, you know, how one becomes a grief expert and you told the story that we were all just um, listening to so intently. Uh, about losing your mother. And so we started out talking about grief as death, but grief comes in so many yeah. different forms. 
Uh, it's not yep. just the loss of a loved one. And so I'm glad you uh, uh, clarified that because we'll, uh, uh, that, that will make uh, more sense uh, and be more relevant as we move through this hour talking about these key insights in the book. Uh, I, I wanted to ask you, and I, I, I've, thought about, I've thought, it differently, thought about it differently. I was going to ask you a moment ago, because as I've said already, I love this title so much, that grief is love. <laughs> grief is love is love living with loss. I thought to ask Marissa Renee Lee, as I often do early in these conversations, to unpack the title of the book, uh, but I'm not going to do that <laughs> because when I get to the fifth of these key insights, you'll understand why she titled the book Grief is Love. So sit tight with me. We'll work through this list of five things that I want to get out, uh, and you'll understand on the on the backside why the book is titled Grief is Love Living with Loss. Watching my clock here two minutes before news, traffic, and sports. Enough time to get this first one out of the way. Uh, there are five key insights in the text I want Marissa Renee Lee to share with you. The book, once again, is called Grief is Love Living with Loss. And one of the first of these five, uh, the first of these five key insights in the book is give yourself permission to grieve. Take it away, Marissa. Yes, 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 yes. So, when I sat down to write this book, I had to think about, you know, what makes living with loss, I don't want to say easy for me, but what has enabled me to do it? And I realized that at a certain point in my grief journey, pardon my language, but I just stopped giving a shit about what other people thought. I decided I needed to give myself permission to both experience the loss of my mother however it felt healthiest and most comfortable to me and do whatever I need to do to honor her, her life and my grief. And so for me, like that means practically, I don't work on her birthday. I don't work on the anniversary of her death. I take special care to be mindful about how I approach things like mother's day, you know, even now as a new mom, like what does it look like in a way that both, you know, honors my motherhood, but also honors the loss of my mom. Um, I'm honest with people when they ask me how I'm doing and I'm having a hard time because something triggered me with regard to the loss of my mom. Like I needed to establish within myself permission to grieve however I needed to, whenever I need to, however it comes up forever. Yeah. Because as far as I can tell, almost 15 years out from the death of my mom, it doesn't go away. And I will add, you know, I say, you know, I think and what and I describe what I've done a lot in the book, but everything in that book, every piece of guidance, all of these insights that we're talking about today are grounded in the leading research around grief and loss. I have partnered with a bereavement expert and researcher at Harvard University to ensure that the advice that I'm sharing isn't just about me. Nothing like uh, going back to your alma mater uh, to get some uh, research help. <laughs> uh, Marissa Renee Lee is a graduate of Harvard, and uh, I am mad at her for relying on some good folk at Harvard to help her make this uh, book a book that makes sense and is rooted in the science. The book is called Grief is Love, Living with a Loss. The author is Marissa Renee Lee. She's our guest on KBLA Talk 1580. Broadcasting live from Lamar Park, USA. Welcome back to your home for unapologetically progressive radio, KBLA Talk 1580. I'm Tavis Smiley. She's Marissa Renee Lee. You are with us in conversation about her new book. It's called Grief is Love, Living with Loss. We are in the midst of these five key insights from the text. The first was, is... Give yourself permission to grieve. Moving down the list. Number two, as I mentioned earlier, nix the stages of grief. Grief is forever. We are all 
uh, familiar, Marissa Renee Lee, with these notions of stages of grief. Uh, it's been written about. It's been talked about. I've interviewed people about it. And here you come now saying just nix all of that. Grief is forever. Tell me more. Yes. So, again, everything in this book is rooted in research. And the crazy thing about the five stages of grief is that they weren't developed for you, Tavis, or for me, Marissa, mm -hmm. people who have been left behind after we've lost loved ones. These stages of grief were originally developed for people who were dying themselves. Mm. So this research and this work was all about terminally ill patients who Dr. Elizabeth Kubler-Ross was working with, and she was noting the different stages that they were going through, you know, emotional mindsets as they prepared to die themselves, which is just very different. So mm. it's not, it, it is a misapplied framework. And I also think it causes people more pain because when you hear stages, you tend to think about things like, you know, the developmental stages that small children go through or the 12 steps for, you know, Alcoholics Anonymous and, and things like that, where there is a sequential order to things. That is also not how grief works. Like it shows up when it shows up, however it shows up, and we are left to deal with it. And so for people who are feeling very attached to these stages and feeling like, oh, I'm grieving wrong because I didn't do this one or I skipped over that one or whatever, there is nothing wrong with you. Please put down that outdated framework. Yeah. Um, number three on this list of five key insights from this book, <laughs> Grief is Love, Living with Loss. Uh, again, we sort of teed this up early, but let's get into it um, uh, more expressly. Grief requires grace. Yes. Yes. So I grew up in the Black church. So for me, this concept of grace is something that stems from my religious upbringing and, and very biblical in nature. But mm -hmm. fundamentally, you know, grace is about forgiveness plus love, I think. You know, as, as a person who's been married for some time, grace is the thing that we offer our spouse when they make the same mistake or do the same, you know, dumb, annoying thing over and over again. Right. But like you, you let it go because you love them. And like, it's, it's okay. And so grace in the context of grief, the way that I think about it is, first of all, you have to be willing and prepared to extend grace to yourself because you never know when grief is going to show up and how it's going to completely upend your plans and just, change your ability to get your work done, interact with the world, support your family, etc. So you must be prepared to extend grace to yourself. You also have to be prepared to extend grace to other people who love you and want to support you through grief and want to show up for you, but may not get it right every time. Grief is hard to understand. It's hard to communicate around. So someone who loves you might not always be able to show up for you the way that they want to, but that doesn't mean that they won't be able to show up for you the next time you're experiencing a grief moment, right? Mm -hmm. And then because grief is so unpredictable in nature and because of the way that it like has a very real impact on both our bodies and our brains, you have to be prepared to ask for grace from other people. You know, when you have made dinner plans with a friend you haven't seen in a while and something triggers you and you're just, you're just not feeling it anymore and you have to cancel at the last minute. 
or you're on a work deadline and, you know, you're in the anticipatory grief stage and something happens to the person who you love and, you know, you're rushing to the hospital instead of finishing up that work project. Like there, there's a lot of grace required in grief because grief is so challenging and unpredictable. And so, you know, I hope folks who are listening will extend some grace to themselves and, and to other people in their community this holiday season. The book is called Grief is Love, Living with Loss. The, the author is Marissa Renee Lee. We are working down this list of five key insights from the book. There's certainly a great deal more, and I can't do justice to this best-selling text in even 60 minutes, but just trying to give you a sense of what's in it. So we have uh, Give Yourself Permission to Grieve, Nix the Stages of Grief, Grief is Forever, Grief Requires Grace, and number four, In the Midst of Grief, Joy is Possible, Marissa. Yeah. So I'll just share a quick funny story. We were at my mom's funeral and I planned the whole thing and was very detail oriented about it. And we hired this woman to sing. She was supposed to sing his eyes on the sparrow Mm. and she starts singing. She starts singing. So you know how that song is supposed to be sung based on that response. Yeah. It was uh, honest to God. It was one of the worst things I've ever heard in my life. Like it was, I don't, I, I don't, I don't have the ability to describe how bad it was. And in that moment, like I couldn't help but laugh, which was very rude to be clear, but it was so, it was just so bad. I was like, this is, this is the comic relief moment that my mom is sending me because she knows we need a break from our grace. And so I, I came to believe that, you know, joy is possible even when you're grieving if you are honest and authentic about what you're experiencing, because if, if you can be honest and present with your grief, that opens you up to moments of levity and humor and even joy sometimes. But I truly believe that it is only possible when you are honest about whatever you're experiencing in the moment. You know, I don't believe that joy in the context of grief is a turn your lemons into lemonade type Mm -hmm. thing. It's more about, you know, we're sitting in this church. I'm sitting feet away from, you know, my mom's open casket, like this woman who literally died in my arms in my childhood home a few days before. And I could still laugh because it was just, it was just all so absurd and, hard and sad but in that moment there was also something a little bit funny about it and I think that's okay and I, and I want people to know that you know you may have just lost someone you love but that doesn't mean that you can't create space for joy and happiness and humor and a little bit of comic relief if you're honest about you know the fullness of your experience. There's a great deal more to talk about when we come forward with Marissa Renee Lee, talking about her new book, Grief is Love, Living with Loss. Uh, We'll also give you, of course, the fifth key insight from the book. We will continue talking about how uh, to navigate grief and what healing truly requires when we come forward with Marissa Renee Lee on KBLA Talk 1580. Interrogating your assumptions and expanding your inventory of ideas. Let's get back to Tavis Smiley on KBLA Talk 1580. Marissa Renee Lee, is that what she was trying to do that day? What was that? I said uh, we we played the song. Is that what she was trying to do that day at your mother's house? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. As soon as we started playing it, I started laughing. So thank you for that. And, yes, that's what she was trying to do. That's what I was expecting 
But what I got was truly the worst singing I've ever heard in my life. Mm, yeah, well, to, to your point, sometimes you got to laugh your way through those things. Yeah. <laughs> in, the, in, in the midst of grief, joy and humor are possible. Yeah. So I, I yeah, take your point. They are, I promise. Yeah. The fifth thing on this list, and there are a few other things I want to cover before I lose you at the top of the hour, but the fifth thing on this list of key insights from the book, Grief is Love, Living with Loss, that I wanted to get out, uh, really does, in fact, answer the question as to why the book is called, so, so beautifully titled, in fact, Grief is Love. Number five, the foundation of grief is love, Marissa Renee Lee. Yes. So as I was wrapping up this book, you know, trying to figure out why, why do I believe that grief is love? You know, what, what does that really mean for me? And what I realized is you wouldn't have any feelings of grief if you didn't have something or someone that you loved who was no longer here. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I realized that love is both feeling and action, right? Like, our loved ones in our lives, parents, friends, partners, et cetera, we, we have these feelings of love for them and they have feelings of love for us that are reinforced by actions that they take to show that they love us. You know, the different ways that they care for us, the ways that they treat us and support us and lift us up, right? And so I realized, you know, while I can very much still feel my mother's love, like I know my mom loves me, like today in the present tense, with a hundred percent certainty, but she is no longer here to act on that love. And that is where the pain comes in. And so if you can wrap your mind around that, I think, I think there's a lot of peace and comfort there because it makes you feel frankly, like less crazy for having all of these feelings about the loss. Like, of course you have all of these feelings about the loss Mm -hmm. because the love is still there. And when we share an unconditional love relationship with someone else in this world, that love leaves a permanent imprint on your brain. And so according to the research, because like that love has been registered and is very much still something that your body like seeks and understands and experiences, the healthiest way to move through the hardest parts of grief is by finding your own way to continue your relationship with the deceased. So in my house, you know, we have pancakes most Sundays because that's what my mom did before we would go to church. You know, no matter how sick she was, we had pancakes on Sundays. So we have pancakes on Sundays here. You know, we decorate the house for Christmas the day after Thanksgiving because that's the way she did it. Like we find ways to continue to keep her alive and make that love more real and more tangible, even though she's no longer here. I'll tell you a funny story um, about grief as love. And this is the story that came to my mind uh, immediately when I saw your book and saw the title. Um, you worked, of course, in the Obama White House. So this will uh, be a story yeah. that you can relate to. Uh, I've had my share, uh, as you might imagine, of uh, appearing at and um, eulogizing uh, offering remarks at any number of high-profile funerals in my life, um, from Rosa Parks to John H. Oh, Johnson yeah. to Ozzie Davis, uh, of course, Rita Franklin in Detroit. So many places I've had a chance to to go and been invited to speak and offer words of comfort uh, in these uh, services. Uh, and uh, <laughs> I'll never forget as long as I live. And I thought about this when I saw your book. Jesse Jackson was the final speaker uh, at the service for Ron Brown, the late great Secretary of Commerce the first African-American to head the DNC Democratic Party. 
Uh, and uh, it had been a long night. These services can go for hours, as you well know. Earthquake tells the joke that Aretha got up and changed clothes during her funeral. It went on so long. Uh, so these services in black America can go on so long. And Jesse Jackson, as the final speaker at the Ron Brown service, uh, wanted to be clear with everybody. All of y'all have had your say. And I'm going to have my say. I know it's been a long day, but don't don't try to rush me through this eulogy because I'm the last speaker. And he said very quickly and very simply. Uh, and by the way, this ain't my fault. It's Ron's fault. If Ron were not so beloved, we wouldn't be up in here for seven or eight hours. So you blame Ron Brown. You don't blame Jesse Jackson. And the place just, you know, just erupted with laughter. His point was that grief is love. That if Ron Brown had not been so beloved, there wouldn't be so many people wanting to offer tributes to him thought about that when I saw this book, Grief is Love, Living with Loss, by Marissa Renee Lee. Our final moments with her when we come forward on KBLA Talk 1580. Let's unpack a little bit more with Tavis Smiley. The conversation continues right now. Right now. Got about three minutes left, just uh, a tight three, but enough for two quick questions here. Uh, Given the story I just told about Ron Brown, as you well know, Marissa Mm -hmm. Renee Lee, black folk do, we do grieving different, we do funerals different, we just got our own vibe when it comes to uh, to, to grieving in this particular way. And what I love about your book is that you offer unique insights for women and African-American people in particular because we do grieve differently, do we not? We do. And I also think, you know, because we are always forced to carry the pain of racism wherever we go in this country, we have added burdens that make grief more challenging. And so I really hope that Black folks pick up this book and know that, yes, it's a book that everyone can gain something from, but it absolutely centers our experiences. Yep. And I want to close uh, in the last couple of minutes with, with this. Um, and I've experienced this, uh, and I'm sure you've experienced it as a grief expert, uh, and many others listening right now would know exactly what I'm talking about. And the question, the exit question is simply this. What do you do, even even though grief is love and even though we have to learn how to live with loss, what do you do in those moments when grief hits you out of nowhere? You hear a certain song, you smell a certain scent, you know exactly what I'm talking about. That moment that just comes at you out of nowhere and that grief hits you and knocks you on your behind. In those moments when you don't see it coming, what do you do? You sit with it. And you remind yourself that those feelings are there, you know, whether it's wailing on the floor or smiling over a memory, whatever it is, those feelings are there because of the love. So you just got to let it be. Yep. Great advice uh, from a grief expert. Marissa Renee Lee is her name. Uh, The book is titled Grief is Love, Living with Loss. And I hope this conversation has been helpful. To those of you who uh, find yourself either in anticipatory grief, sadly, during this holiday season, or for those who are uh, commemorating, celebrating anniversaries of loved ones lost during the season, remember, grief is love, and we can all learn in time to live with loss. Marissa Renee Lee, good to have you on. All the best to you. Thank you for your time. I appreciate you. Thank you so much for having me. My pleasure. Happy holidays to you and yours. That's our show for today. Back here tomorrow morning, Lord willing to do it all over again, 9 a.m. to 12 noon Pacific time. Time now to make room for the KBLA Midday Money Chain. Up next, the Millionaire's Roundtable with Lynn Richardson to be followed by Naja Roberts' fine program ahead of the crypto curve. Old money, new money, it don't matter. We got you covered here on KBLA Talk 1580. Until tomorrow morning, Lord willing, thanks for tuning in. And as always... Keep the faith.